To I've Got a Beatles podcast with Dave and Chris. You were just listening to maybe a little different version than you're used to of John Lennon's big hit in 1974, Whatever Gets You Through the Night. And that's the, the, uh, the big famous song off the album we're going to discuss today, which uh, I can't remember what it's called. Do you remember, Chris? Wab. Wab. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's short for. <laughs> That's it's my the only the only person who ever says that is me. Mm. <laughs> my short version of Walls and Bridges released in 1974, 40 years ago this year. 40 years ago. This 40 year. years ago. I mean, yeah, it's <laughs> unbelievable. Wow. Uh before we get into discussing the album, a couple of announcements here. Uh first want to thank you for your comments on Facebook and on iTunes, and we had a, a question on uh, the iTunes page. Somebody asked, how do you get the uh, earlier episodes of I've Got a Beatles podcast? And uh, Great as, question. Yeah, great question, and uh, as, as we've said before, you have to really want to listen to some of those real early ones because the, yeah. s- the sound isn't as great, but... Uh, yeah, you know, before I got this microphone, it yeah. was, <laughs> even last week when I had this, microphone, <laughs> it was a little uh, uh, funky. But yeah. um, what can you do? What can you do? But if you do want to go back all the way back, uh, you can go to our home site, which is uh, all one word is uh, I've got a Beatles podcast dot podbean dot com, and you'll be able to get everything on there. So. Check yeah. that out, and uh, we also appreciate the comments we've gotten recently and some dialogue on Facebook, and uh, Chris is very active posting songs of the night on Twitter as well. Yeah, it's at I've Got a Beatles. Very good. And you're eating something, too, I see. What were you... Uh, yeah, I've got some Jeff, Jack Link's beef jerky over here to celebrate uh, the episode, just like I had cookies when we played the cookies. I remember that, um, yeah. That's 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 good. actually I got cookies too. You have yeah. cookies, wow! Cookies <laughs> and beef jerky. Like, you know, you get a little peckish while you're, <laughs> while you're recording these things. Exactly. Um, but walls and bridges. Now, Dave, what do you think of the album overall before we uh, before we get started? Well, I think the biggest thing that strikes me about the album is that it has really no Yoko involvement at all. This was right in the middle of his lost weekend when he was in. L.A. getting drunk and uh, carousing with Harry Nilsson and Ringo and Keith Moon and uh, all these people. And at this point, he was really Yoko. You know, Yoko has no involvement on the album. She doesn't sing. She doesn't write songs. She's not producing. You know, she may be in some of the lyrics, kind of referentially, but she's not actually involved. So this, yeah. to me, is the like the clearest example of a John Lennon solo album. And 
for that reason, I've always liked it. And uh, it also is very much of its time, as I think we'll discuss in the production. Yeah, it's of its time production-wise. Um, I think one of the big things that stands out to me is the the production, which at the time, uh, pretty leading-edge sort of techniques and stuff, but a lot of, like, uh, uh, horns and uh, um, a lot of energy to the whole thing. Um, it does make it come off as a sort of unified piece that has the same sort of sound throughout and the uh, same sort of energy throughout and a very high energy album. But at times I think like maybe if you, it, it, maybe it hurt individual tracks within mm. it, but we'll, we'll get into that as, uh, through the tracks. The other thing I wanted to say based on what you said is that I, th- I think lyrically and, and thematically it may be a little bit as lost as John was at the time. A little bit all over the place, not as clear and focused as, say, Imagine or Plastic Gono Band. Um, and definitely you could tell, like, he's away from Yoko. Yeah. <laughs> you know, nobody loves you when you're down and out. Kind of, <laughs> you don't uh, know emotionally. what you until you lose it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, there's a lot of examples of that. But um, even, and, with, yeah, even with yeah. that and being, in, being real down... Uh, at the time, it's, it's still some of the session guys they interviewed talked about how tight the album was and how efficient the sessions were compared to the mess with Phil Spector when they're shooting guns off in the studio and getting drunk every night. Uh, John, I guess, came in and was just, you know, like bang, bang, bang down through the uh, songs here and pretty yeah. tight arrangements and the musicians were really pretty impressed with how serious he was so this meant, must have meant a lot to him well let's uh let's dive right in yeah. shall we um with a uh song the title of which i uh implore the listeners <laughs> not to not to put into a, a google search at work especially <laughs> um, and it's called going down on love got to get Going down on love. Well, apart from the double entendres and the uh, <laughs> melody or the the in the title, has some unique things about it. Has a kind of a mid-tempo, funky type groove. Uh, a lot of percussion. I don't know. Is that triangle or a go-go bells and <laughs> or maybe in the, the bongos at the beginning? So, so uh, a lot of percussion work on here. Uh, Sets the flavor, I think, for the rest of the album in terms of the sound. I'm not not a huge yeah. fan of the song, but I think the you're you're going to hear repeated themes from this song that happen on the rest of the album. I think overall, not a great tune. Uh, really, all over the place. 
like not really sure what it wants to be, I think. And then it, it sort of changes, and then we've got this different groove with the, the horns playing, and then it changes uh, again. There are a couple little elements I like about it, some uh, particular musical phrases. Uh, the, the one that's uh, on the piano early, early on at about 30 seconds in, and then is repeated on, on guitar in a slightly different way at the end um uh but um not a great song to me and uh particularly i just the lyrics aren't saying anything to me it's yeah. like what it's sort of meaningless i'm going down on love like what, what okay what <laughs> what do you mean by that yeah. um so i don't know not not that strong of a tune for me yeah well, I, I know the uh, the next one will get you revved up, though, because it's a big, famous, number yeah. one hit in America, and uh, we started out with the alternate version of it, and so we're not gonna not gonna play it because we've already talked about this song a lot. Uh, I, whatever gets you through the night, his big collaboration with Elton John. Yeah, and, Elton John, very prominent in the back uh, yeah. background lyrics, very prominent on the keyboards. Ding dong, ding dong. <laughs> This song, I don't know. I, I've never really liked it all that much. I know it's probably blasphemy to say that because really? that's Ugh. yeah. I know. Hey. I, I don't know. It's real busy and yeah. I don't know. Never really struck a chord with me. But I think there's some cool things about it. It's got I like the piano, like you said, and uh, the the saxophone work on here is pretty cool, like the horns and things. Yeah. But it it it's, doesn't it, it just sounds like a opening to a '70s TV show, really. When you like, think like Saturday Night, like Live, Saturday Night Live, as we've mentioned before. Times, yeah, yeah, yeah we've talked about that many times. This is probably the quintessential one that does have that sound and sounds like uh, that. But I, I like it. I, I think it's great. I never, ever, uh, if it comes on, I never am like, yeah, turn this. You know? Yeah. Well, <laughs> always like, yeah, this is great. Ah, somebody put this on the jukebox. Wow, awesome. Yeah. So I like well, it. It's got a uh, more so than the last one. Uh, shows you how high energy this album is. That's true. It's very, very energetic, very uh, high energy. Um, and I think this this might be one of the most successful kind of uses of all of that sound that they're using with the horns and all that. I think there are other examples on on here where it's sort of uh, uh, sort of discongruent to what the lyrics are talking about. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if this can grow in his work, but this one, it, it just fits in so perfectly. I just, I, I love the song. Yeah. Uh, not my favorite song in the album, but I no. love the song. I do, I do like, love the song a lot and uh, I'm very disappointed in you for now. Oh, no. Well, I'll say, I'll say John felt really strongly about it because he uh, played it live with Elton. That was at his last real performance. He did play it live at Madison Square Garden, so it was a big deal, and I know he got a kick out of getting a number one hit, I'm sure, too. So it's important in John Lennon's uh, recorded catalog. Now, the next person, or the next song, has a person on it who uh, also was very important to John Lennon at this time. And he keeps the, popping up at this podcast. He too. does. He's Every, every time we place. talk about him, I know. Uh, that the next song on the album is called "Old Dirt Road," and it really is a big contrast from whatever gets you through the night. Uh, this is a song that was co-written with Harry Nielsen.
All right, Dave, what do you think of Old Dirt Road? Yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of this song. Uh, I, I like the piano part, which is played by Nicky Hopkins, and uh, really stands out. The, the recording of yeah. it is so good, and it's very clean and clear. I think there's something kind of old soul-like about it. It has a very kind of uh, deeper thoughts about life. I, I like the lyric, trying to shovel smoke with a pitchfork in the wind. It has some pretty nice yeah. phrases in it. Uh, and just has a good feel to it. I and the just, yeah, I don't know. I'm a big fan of the song. I, I like the song. It, it does remind me of Pussycats, the same sound that uh, we've yeah. talked about Harry Nilsson's solo album Pussycats before that was produced by John, and it, it has that same sound a little bit to it. And uh, some, some of a, a what of an unusual guitar, yeah, sound there, yeah, yeah, yeah. like a, like a wah kind of volume control thing yeah yeah uh a strange <laughs> that i find that stri- stri- uh, strikingly odd yeah uh, 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 but it doesn't um on repeated listens it doesn't bother me as much and uh this is one that of a few songs on this album that on repeated listens i it sort of grew on me and um is definitely one that like maybe maybe i was singing along with that in my head not later while I wasn't listening, like yeah. Old Dirt Road. <laughs> but uh, terrific piano, um, some really good musical elements. That once again, I think is a, a positive example of the production on this album. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I like it. It's not. There's something just. I can't quite put my finger on it. That's just a little bit missing. Mm-hmm. That keeps it keeps it from being a, you know, classic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, well, it could be maybe it's too long, or maybe there's just the the sort of languid pace of the song goes on yeah. a little long. I don't know. Yeah. But it, yeah, it certainly contrasts with what comes after it, though. Yeah, if you if you don't like languid, yeah, <laughs> uh, listen to what you got. Yeah, what you got? Um, uh, real high energy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> real high energy. One, uh, two. Uh, it's uh, our one of our favorite John Lennon uh, ver- uh, things, which is screaming John Lennon. Yes, absolutely. Uh, the voice <laughs> is amazing on here, isn't it? Yeah, really uh, terrific. I really. Uh, this is another one that it, it sort of over time grew on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little too. 70s funky a little too busy a little too much of that and and maybe 
when you really think about it, it's like, do the horns add visceral, like, anger and, not anger, but sort of, uh, uh, you know, this point of view of this song, does it add to it or detract from it? I think maybe makes mm. it a little too busy and detracts from it, but... I like it. I, I like. I love screaming John Lennon. Yes, so I'm definitely. a sucker. I'm a sucker. <laughs> yeah, this is one of my favorite songs on the album. I like the riff that that keeps going in the background. It's got a good feel to it. Uh, the percussion is mixed real high on this one, so you hear a lot of things. I think those go-go bells are back again. Uh, real or triangle or whatever that is is really prominent. But it, yeah, high energy and. His screaming, the voice just sounds so good on this. And you can tell, I'm imagining he's singing about Yoko here. You don't know what you got until you lose it. Baby, 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 give me one more chance. And it feels like he's really meaning it when he's singing it. Oh, absolutely. It's very sincere. I I think uh, uh, this one and and, uh, a song that's coming up, uh, too, I'd like to, I would have loved to have heard them repeatedly played live. Yeah, you know, like yeah, yeah, just get a little bit of a a different take on it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But um, yeah, I really think uh, uh, it's a pretty good song. Yeah, yeah, maybe 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 a real, real underrated uh, Lennon Jim. Yeah, I think so. Now the next tune is actually the one that Lennon, when they asked him about the album and he was promoting it, uh, he identified this one as his favorite song on the album, and he thought it was the best. So it's called "Bless You." So, Dave, bless you. Bless you, yeah. You didn't even sneeze, and I said bless you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this one uh, has that kind of, uh, so- I want to say jazz rock or soft rock 70s sound. You've got kind of this ethereal thing going with the roads and kind of echoey, reverby stuff going on with the, the kind of slow drum beat. Uh, I, I I like it. I think it's. I, I'm not sure it's my favorite, as John said it was, but it's cool. nice. It's another one that grows on you. I think there's a bunch on this yeah. album that grow on you after repeated listening, and it's got a cool bridge. I like the bridge to it. Yeah, uh, for sure. And and it's a long song. It's uh, uh, four and a half minutes plus. Um, maybe maybe overstays its welcome just slightly. <laughs> it's a long but, introduction. That's part yeah. of it too. But I like it. I think it's a it's a, a 
well placed on the album, very uh, uh, very moody song. Yeah. I enjoy it. I think it's a pretty great song. Uh, maybe once again, kind of not the maybe the l- l- lack of uh, something that really sticks with you lyrically is what keeps it from being remembered. Classic, kind of, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but um, not bad, not a bad song at all. Yeah. Uh, now the next song. The next song, yeah, we, we starts. Well, we, starts with this little something you were talking about on Facebook. You got it. Yeah. So we were we threw this out to our uh, Facebook audience here uh, to kind of give a taste of what we're recording today, and said, "What at, we're gonna, next album we're going to talk about on the podcast begins has a song on it that begins with a wolf howling." And <laughs> we did get a very good response. Go take a look at our uh, website; you can see uh, the, the response to it. But the person correctly pointed out that it's a song called "Scared." <laughs> So the song "Scared," uh, I think this is really strong lyrically. Uh, it, yeah, it's very—I don't know—it's something I think we all think about as we get older. Uh, song about getting older and being scared of the future and what you've lost and what's ahead. And I think at this point he really was kind of scared because he was not with his wife and was with a different woman, May Pang, and living this kind of hedonistic lifestyle out in L.A and really felt like a drift you know didn't really know what what he was doing and i feel that's channeled into the song a lot i like the song i think this is one of these examples uh, that i was talking about of like if you extracted this song from this album and maybe put it on uh, through the production of a different album like say plastic ono band yeah, yeah. that might really like uh uh resonate more with the point of the song and with the lyrics of the song and that kind of thing. So just a little bit too, like, do we really need the horns on this one? Yeah. I think the horns are very distracting when they come in on <laughs> this particular song. But that said, I like the song a lot. I think it's a, a, a good song. Definitely, uh, um, you know, definitely right there again, just under <laughs> the Linen Classics. But, um mm-hmm. 
uh, pretty good, pretty solid. Yeah, and uh, it ends the first side of what was originally the album, and then goes on to side two, which uh, is a very famous song. If you have any Lennon collections or greatest hits albums, this is always on it. And I think yeah. we'll probably decide, I don't know what Chris thinks about this, but I think we'll probably decide it's for good reason. Okay, well, let's hear number nine, Dream. I mean, I mean, maybe one of my five favorite Lennon songs. I mean, just an all-time, all-time classic. Uh, one of the solo songs that I think you could be like, we're going to take that song and throw it into the Beatles catalog. Mm. And that it would definitely fit. Like, yeah. like just fantastically. And, and talk about produ handling production properly, where the... the uh, um, song is about this dream and then we get this sort of uh, uh, languid sort of uh, uh, strings behind mm -hmm. behind that idea I just uh, I just think it's terrific it's a great song great lyrics uh, by the way it's one of, one of the probably all time most uh, misunderstood lyrics it is Ow, bow, a cow, a, who say, who say. <laughs> yes. <laughs> not, not another word you might think yes. it is. <laughs> Which means nothing. Yeah, Which means nothing. nonsense, yeah. Um, it was something that uh, John Lennon heard in a dream. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that phrase being spoken to him by two uh, different women. Um, so it's sort of this song is describing his, uh, his <laughs> dream. Plus... A couple other great things about this song. Now this is uh, the number one, number nine song in the Beatles category. Yeah. <laughs> Usurping uh, Revolution number nine. Yeah. Um, and this song has some backmasking hmm. towards the end, which is, and I'm not even uh, sure what it is. <laughs> no, this is this is definitely one of John's best solo tracks, and. Uh, it's, it's just got the complete production. The lyrics are great, as you said. The, the, the arrangement is excellent. And a, a factoid about the arrangement, the strings that are really subtle on this in the background 
Uh, John originally had written or arranged the strings for Harry Nielsen's Many Rivers to Cross. And if you can actually hear, it goes well with that song, too. They have sort of the same chord progression. And so you just recycle it and put it on this track, and it, it works so well. And uh, just, you know, so that, that guitar sound that you were mentioning earlier is back, like the volume control or the wah sort of sound, but it's not distracting at yeah. this one. It sounds perfect for yeah. for uh, I just uh, yeah I can't, it's, it's great. I can't even get words out. I like yeah. the song so much. And yeah, two other little things. Uh, May Pang is on this one, uh, kind of whispering John John yeah. in the background, and then uh, sort of hauntingly as if as if it's Yoko a little bit. Yeah, I, I mean sort of yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So and then the title John had a. A thing about the number nine, and the number nine it was a very important number through his life. He was born on October 9th, uh, the Revolution Nine, uh, many yeah. other. He met Yoko on November 9th, I think. Uh, yeah. A lot of connections. His son was later born on October 9th, so he always played nine uh, when he was picking numbers in the lottery. He, <laughs> just a lot, just a lucky lot number nine. So yeah, it was a big, big, important number in his life, and so it's fitting that it's on a really great song. So yeah, we're big fans. Now I don't know what you think of the next one. Uh, it, it kind of <laughs> yeah, maybe we should just play it first and then hear it. It's called "Surprise, Surprise," and then it is one of your favorite parenthetical songs, though in parentheses, "Sweet Bird of Paradox." <laughs> Surprise, surprise, Sweet Bird of Paradox. Yes, indeed. Let's, let's hear it. Let's hear Let's hear what you think. Well, it's peppy. Uh, <laughs> it's got a, got a funky riff again on it. And features uh, Elton John's on this one in the background again. So more more Elton. It A, a lot of people dismiss this one and think it's a throwaway track. Uh, but the story, yeah, like someone who's raising his hand right now. <laughs> <laughs> but supposedly this song is about May Pang. And mm-hmm. if you see it that way it maybe makes a little more sense, but it it's it's harmless. I, I don't know I don't know if I like the the tweet 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 woo. Oh yeah. It's it's like a, at the end of the song it's sort of a drive my car riff. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For no good reason at all. <laughs> I just uh now this one to me uh, is just a dud. I yeah. just don't, I don't like. As soon as it starts, 
I'm like, how close am I to the skip it button? Yeah. Um, and it's not no, that long, no. but it feels kind of long, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I really don't ever want to get to the point where I hear the tweet, 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 tweet. <laughs> bit. It's just a, yeah, it's just an odd song. Just not, not, yeah. not, not a good one. Might be a good B side for a single or something. Yeah. Um, Definitely kind of a throwaway track. Yeah. Uh, the next song though has a lot of mystique about it and a lot of. Uh, stories about it. It's called Steel and Glass. And uh, yeah. if you're a big fan of How Do You Sleep from Imagine, oh, yeah. Then yeah. This is this is very much related. You'll, you'll definitely be reminded. Yes, you <laughs> So here we are. Let's play some Steel and Glass. goes that this song was about Alan Klein, the Beatles' second manager, or last manager, and yeah. it's real nasty, you know, as, as How Do You Sleep was nasty against Paul McCartney, this song is supposed to be nasty towards Alan Klein, but yeah. it, I think it suffers from a problem that happened in some of the earlier songs, too, it, like you were, we were listening to it and talking. It, it just takes a while to get going. It's just the long introductions. It just you, you know, for no good reason, just playing that A minor chord over and over and over again. Get well, to the it. choice to like hold the note for extra bar too. Yeah, it's that like, too. <laughs> it's like to what to what end? Yeah. Like, and I and we we're to understand that he's sort of referencing how do you sleep. He puts a musical reference to how do you sleep in there. Yeah. Uh, uh, but it's just so heavy-handed. And what it comes off of to me is like, man, I'd much rather listen to how you sleep right now than this. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. um, and it's very negative and kind of hateful, you know. I'd, yeah. mu I'd also much rather listen to Oyoko than I'd rather listen <laughs> to, like, I hate Alan Klein. You, mm -hmm. You're fat. And, <laughs> mm. 
Yeah. You're tan. Look at you with your tan, jerk. <laughs> you took my money. Yeah. You know? No, no, no. Just what, real do, negative. Do you like the uh, the horn lines? I don't know. It's not it's not the worst song in the world. I'm no. I, I'm making it out to be a worse sound worse than I actually feel about it, but I don't love it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> don't I, love it at all. To me the the album it starts out much stronger and then it sort of gets a bit weaker towards this part of the album here and that I I don't know probably is going to be the case when we talk about the next song uh, although see we'll I'm gonna, see. I'm going to dig my hand into the Jack Links <laughs> because we're about to play Beef Jerky. What do you think of beef jerky beef jerky beef jerky? <laughs> yeah, we didn't get to hear the end of the song when they're the when they all chant beef jerky beef jerky over and over yeah. again. Yeah, I was gonna say it's an instrumental, but it's not. Yeah, that's right. I know. <laughs> I know. Just when you think, yeah, this is one of the rare songs that is apart from them chanting the title. It is an instrumental, and yep. just back and forth uh, playing the same riff over and over again. Uh, Again, to me, a little bit forgettable. It, it's cool for a little bit. I think it's got a cool riff. I like the thumping bass on it. It's real prominent. Uh, you know, the bass is very strong. But it, again, to me, it goes on a little long, sort of uh, without doing much. But it's a it's a workout for the horns. They get to play a lot. Um, I kind of like it. Yeah, it's a it's yeah. a it's a. There's a couple of reasons. One. It, for those of you who used to listen to Westwood One and the Lost Linen tapes every Saturday or whenever it was on, this was the intro song for it, mm-hmm. and um, you can't hear it without thinking about that. Yeah. Uh, two, I think it's a good intro song, and why the hell it wasn't the intro to this album puzzles me until uh-huh. I remember that we just did Dark Horse. Yeah. Which also opened with an instrumental. So I wonder if he had one, the one or the other of them had uh, information about that. And we're like, okay, I won't make my instrumental <laughs> the lead song of my album, too. Um, yeah. But it would have been better placed, I think, maybe mm-hmm. at the beginning of the. That's album. true. Which one do you like better? You like Beef Jerky or Harry's on Tour Express better? Well, I I <laughs> definitely like beef jerky better. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think, and it's an interesting. What what is interesting to me about it too is it sort of, um, it's odd. It's an odd, yeah. you know, like the 
chord progression and stuff is definitely from the mind of John Lennon. Yes, you know, and the a, meter and the rhythm of it. Yeah, yeah. So I think I like it. I like it more than as much as we make fun of it and the <laughs> the, the people singing or shouting beef jerky. It's like, what is this? I mean, yeah. there are a lot of dumb things about it, but. <laughs> it's, it's it's a weird one. It does stick with you, and for some reason, it's one of those catchy tunes that does. You know, you, yeah. you do remember it. So, yeah, and it's a unique for the fact of its of being an instrumental song too. Yeah, so beef jerky, it's all right. Uh, the next song, another parenthetical title here, "Nobody Loves You When You're Down and Out." To me, uh, we'll we'll play it here, but this is a, a standout by far. So. Uh, why don't we check this one out? Nobody loves you when you're down and out. Nobody sees you when you're on cloud night. Everybody's hustling. For a buck and a dime I'll scratch your back And you scratch mine I've been across To the other side Nobody loves you when you're down now, Dave. Yeah, I, that, that's isn't, truer words have never been spoken. It's uh, <laughs> very true. This has such a late night nightclub kind of feel. Like I really could see a popular singer, like a Tony Bennett or Frank Sinatra type person, singing this one as a closing song or uh, for yeah, end of the movie. End song. of the movie yeah. song, definitely, definitely. So yeah, what do you think of this one? It's it's a long song, uh, but. I don't know. What What are your thoughts on uh, Nobody Loves You When You're Down and Out? Lyrically, I love it. Vocally, I love it. Oh. Some of the instrumentation stuff bugs me a little bit. I, I understand the feel they're going for, but I think it's just a little too much on the on the horns and stuff like mm. that. I'd peel back about half of that. Mm -hmm. You know, Once again, I think had, had this song was on another album, like say imagine then we might we might be talking about it like more in classic terms yeah and that maybe the thing that holds it back from being that sort of like level a john lennon song mm -hmm. maybe this is a level b one is is a little bit of that production stuff it's a little bit too just because and i and i'm not uh even saying this is a bad choice but it's a little bit undersung at the start yeah um and I think that I think maybe for the for the song to build properly and get to the point where he's like 
back to screaming John Lennon at some <laughs> point. Um, uh, and I, I, you know, it has to be that way. But, um, yeah, so I like it. I like yeah. it a lot, basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. is what I'm saying. But maybe it just, like, misses the mark just slightly. Okay. Yeah, uh, you bring up some good points. I wonder if if we are looking at the production from 2014 years and everything that's happened since, whereas if we were, if this was a new album to us in 1974, if it would have sounded differently. Um, yeah. Because it, it was, this sort of sound was in the air at the time. But yeah, I, I do like how it builds. I think that's, like you said, his understated singing. And he yeah. adds more and more instruments and gets going. And there's a really great screaming part in there. Yeah. And, uh, it, uh, songs like this, uh, I think, showcase his voice so much. It makes me really miss his singing, and makes you reali- realize what a great singer John Lennon was, and how that even he could sing the worst songs, and it always came through. Still, uh, yeah. And maybe what I was saying about the under singing is just, um, and it, it, I, I like it, the dynamics of his voice. I like that a lot. You know, I I do like that it builds up to this sort of like screaming energy, and at the beginning it's very sort of like world weary. Kind of, yeah, yeah, world weary. So uh, I do like that element about it, but uh, I don't know something yeah. about it just just slightly off, but uh, definitely a great song. Now, <laughs> now, now, next up, <laughs> that one. There's no reason that one shouldn't be the last song on the album. No reason at all. Yeah. But instead, here is the last song on the album, a very short little song. We'll play most of it, because we have to, <laughs> called Ya Ya. Okay, we'll do sitting in the law. I'll get rid of that. One, two, three, four. Sitting in the law, waiting for the Ya Ya. All right, Dave. <laughs> Answer me one question. Why? Why? Well, there was a couple of reasons. One, he wanted to. He was uh, that, that featured Julian Lennon on drums, and he and Julian, his son, first son, were trying to rekindle and uh, become closer since they moved closer to one another. So, uh, a chance to little father and son bonding on this one. Although Julian later said. If I knew this was going to be recorded, <laughs> if I knew this was going to be released, I would have played better on the drums. Uh, but uh, there's a contractual reason, too. He was being sued for borrowing a line from Chuck Berry's song, uh, You Can't Catch Me. And so he, had, as, a, as part of the agreement, he agreed to record this song. So, it, it, But why? I mean, why? It, it's... Tacked it, on in the weirdest place. And tagged on if he even if he'd thrown it on the very beginning of the album or something, we would. Uh, that's puzzling, but we're just getting going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here it's like it's like we had a perfect ending song, you yeah. know, like well done. And this has nothing to do with anything. It doesn't match any kind of thing on the album. There's no like horns. Even if it was sort of like uh, the horns kind of wrapping things up, yeah. putting away the instruments or any of that, 
it would have been better. It just doesn't. It doesn't even say Maggie May. Um, <laughs> even or those things seem like uh, the tone they were trying to set for that album as being kind of like loose and practicing songs and then making songs. Or this her, is just or Her Majesty too. Yeah. Yeah. This is just tacked on completely. Should should be on a uh, on a. B- bootleg release or something yeah yeah, yeah. exactly so, so unfortunately it, it mars the ending of the album but yeah uh, yeah so we yeah. should mention yeah oh, i was gonna say we should we've, mention the uh, packaging of oh yeah yeah walls and bridges which was pretty cool uh i have i'm holding the original record here and uh, it has flaps on the front that our uh, listener pointed out as well on the facebook page that was one of the coolest things that uh, there are three flaps on the cover that you can uh, make different images of John's face, and he's sticking his tongue out at you in the uh, the picture that's behind it. It's cover the cover art is by John when he was a boy. It says oh. uh, Walls and Bridges, June 1952, age 11, John Lennon, and so it's a kind of a montage of of artwork from when he was a kid. There's pictures of him wearing gla- five pairs of glasses and uh, him closing his eyes and smiling and just being silly, which I think probably felt good at this time for him. Yeah. Um, now, where does this rank for you um, with the, the rest of John's solo work? Mm. Is, it, is it your favorite Lennon album? <laughs> is it? No, it's not my favorite. I would put it somewhere in the middle, but... Uh, I, usually for me it goes Plastic Ono it's actually pretty chronological Plastic Ono then Imagine and then this would probably be next uh, I, I I like it a lot though for the fact of what I said earlier that it's it's a really totally John Lennon album and yeah. doesn't have anything else on it no one else was involved so uh, meaning Yoko so I think it, it, <laughs> it stands for that no one else, no one else quote unquote. <laughs> uh, there's no Yoko on it and so to me, it's pretty. It's, it's a pretty good timepiece of what was happening in the Lost Weekend, and uh, I think there's a lot of good songs on it. To me, and, that, that stand out. And your rating, overall rating. Overall rating, uh, a scale of one to ten, I would give Walls and Bridges probably a seven. Um, I was gonna say seven as well, um, which really on a first re-listen to it recently i was thinking even more six because of of stuff like sweet bird of paradox <laughs> and steel and glass and the yaya and, and, and a little bit of the production stuff but what what gained points to me was on these re-listens how much say bless you and old dirt road and what you got kind of like sound better and better and better yeah, yeah. to me. So, and I think there are great, great songs on it that just kind of miss, and there are two classics. Yeah. So it's hard to it's when you got when you got uh, whatever gets you through the night, number nine dream on an album. You can't you can't it can't be too bad. No, definitely so, not. Definitely not. Yeah. So yeah, it's great. I, I, like you said, I wish he had had the chance to perform some of these tunes on a tour or, you know, record them and play them live somewhere. I think they would work well in concert. But now the two, I did want to uh, point out to the, uh, 
live versions of or the live version of whatever gets you through the night was included on a uh, reissue and also included on a reissue is that nobody loves you when you're down and out alternate version mm-hmm. very interesting to, to go back and re-listen to walls and bridges celebrating its 40th anniversary this year and so yeah. this is the second solo album from 1974 that we're uh, revisiting and taking a look at uh, in an upcoming podcast we'll be talking about Ringo's contribution Goodnight Vienna and uh, yeah. uh, and I don't know Paul Paul didn't really have anything in 74 so well, uh, we'll we'll be we'll be talking about Paul though we will be talking about Paul yeah. you and I uh, Dave and I are actually getting together in Kansas City and seeing Paul on the Out There tour uh, coming up this summer. So um, if you're in the Kansas City area and are also going to that show, please uh, uh, drop us a message on our Facebook page or, or um, contact one of us and maybe we'll run into you at the show and say hi and we'll go. you'll go to your front row seats and we'll walk <laughs> all the way up to our nosebleed seats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're way up there, but hey, you know, we're there. That's what counts. So it's going to be fun, and it, I'm I'm sure if you're in an area where Paul is, you know that he's coming around to your town, and hopefully yeah. you'll get a chance to hear him. He's, if you uh, register on paulmccartney.com, if, if they haven't announced your city yet, uh, you will get first crack at tickets when they um, do become available. That's how we got these Kansas City tickets. So um, definitely register for paulmccartney.com, and you'll get some. You'll get an occasional email. They don't. They don't bury you with emails like some things do. You know. No, it's going to be fun, and we'll be uh, talking about it as we get closer to that date. And we're going to be doing some recording in person. It'll be exciting to uh, meet and record some podcasts in person, looking looking at each other in real in the same room instead of on. Uh, Skype. So, looking forward to that. So, thanks again for listening, and we're going you know, to be going out with uh, so, uh, an alternate singer, aren't we? Yeah, we're going to do a little old dirt road. This is the Harry Nilsson version. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Like trying to show the smoke with a pitchfork in